Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Are those cinnamon rolls? I I smell something. It really smells good. I I smell them. I I smell them and hear them. (laughs) I'm gaining weight just smelling uh, the great smells here at the Catholic Cafe. (laughs) Hi, I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian. Tom, you could use a cinnamon roll, couldn't you? I look like I could. Yeah, you, you've got a little room in there. One a day. <laughs> one a day. That's it'll keep the doctor. Well, actually, keep the doctor They're really as big close. as our heads. That's what I need is one of those. Yeah, with the icing on it. That's really exactly. good stuff. Anyway, well, welcome everyone to the Catholic Cafe. We are going to do a kind of a special show today. They're all special. Well, they are special in, in, in that sense that uh, that they're special, but this one's yes. special, special. <laughs> okay. Uh, and because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that uh, uh, is an interesting concept and understanding. It's maybe a communication issue. Uh, Tom, do you ever have communication issues with, uh, with like, your wife or something? Communication issues? Like no, I, I do exactly what I'm told. There's well, <laughs> no no breakdowns there. You are a good husband, I yeah. can tell. Yes. Well, uh, between the Catholics and uh, our separated brothers and sisters, uh, also referred to as the Protestants, yes. we have different ways of looking at things. And I had um, one of my uh, Protestant friends ask me at one point in time, well, do, do Catholics consider themselves saved? Uh, and then also ask the question, do Catholics consider themselves born again? Mm-hmm. And so these are things we wanted. We wanted to spend a little time and talk about that uh, Great today. Topics. Well, let's, let's talk about the, the born again part first. Um, wh- what would you think the words born again or the phrase born again would, would refer to, Tom? I would say renewed. Renewed? Uh, yeah, renewed. You're, you're, you're different. You're... Um, you're just reborn. Uh, it was interesting that this very uh, discussion took place 2,000 years ago mm-hmm. between Jesus and Nicodemus. Yes. In the Gospel of John, the third chapter, there's a little story about a, a man of the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus, and he met Jesus on the road one night. He came mm-hmm. to him at night because I think he wanted, he was interested in what Jesus had to say mm-hmm. and what Jesus was teaching, but maybe didn't want everyone to know he was. Mm-hmm. And so he was asking a question, and he said, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And then Jesus says to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we see that expression, born anew. And then Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus answered again, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So mm-hmm. Nicodemus had this conversation. What does it mean to be born again? Mm-hmm. What are you saying to be born again? He had this physical understanding of mm-hmm. being born again. Right? Does it? You know, I have to go back in my mother's womb. I don't understand how right. that's even possible. Right. Uh, you know, so that right there can be a, a discussion point. But when Catholics and Protestants talk about this born again concept, there are really a couple of things going on. One of those things is that when you hear a Protestant talk about being born again. Mm-hmm. Typically, the context is in of being of a um, a right age, right at the age of reason. You're old enough to discern for yourself and to make decisions for yourself. Right. Being of that age, you have made a decision 
to follow mm-hmm. Jesus, to right. accept Jesus as your personal Lord and right. Savior. Right. We've heard that expression a couple of times, I'm yep. sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, especially we live in the South, and in the South the, the Bible Belt runs uh, the buckle. Yeah, firmly uh, through our neck of the woods, and we hear that expression a lot. Right. And so from, uh, from that context, to be born again is basically to make a decision for Christ. Now, the Catholic understanding of being born again, well, let's see this. Let's back up to that first question. Are Catholics born again? My answer to the guy immediately was, well, absolutely. Right. Now, in his mind, he was thinking, you mean that at a certain age, Catholics all then Stood make up. a dis- yeah, stand up and make a public Publicly, profession, right. right? And they make a profession to, to have Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. Right. And I said, well, no, we don't, we don't do that. Now, do we do that? On our own every once in a while? Absolutely. Yes. But do we do that as part of a fundamental faith decision that we're going to, uh, at this point in our lives, we're amending our lives, and we're now going to follow a Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what born again means to us. Right. Archbishop Timothy Dolan from New York is listening to a show that he was talking about, and he, and he hit it on the head when he said that to be born again is to be baptized. Right. And that's the Catholic understanding of born again. And really, if you think about it from a Catholic perspective... To be born again, really, from a, we're really in line with what Jesus was talking about here in John chapter three, mm-hmm. because John um, tells us that Jesus says at the at the end of that conversation, mm-hmm. he says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit," and that's exactly what we do in that rite of baptism when we baptize an infant. If it's an infant, of course, we also baptize. Um, uh, folks who are older as well, people who, who are converts, people who have never been baptized, and we'll, we'll baptize them in water using water, and we'll use the Holy Spirit. The Holy right. Spirit will come upon them in that process. When the we, the, the when difference, we though, is you, you, they're thinking that it's not a, efficacious. They're thinking that you have to personally make that decision to be baptized and profess your faith, uh, whereas the Catholics believe Okay, this is this is efficacious. It is it is um, making them born again. Y- yes, I think so. I, I I think I can't always tell what people are thinking. You know, you can't read their minds all the time. But typically, from a perspective, I'll say say the Baptists, the fundamentalists, you will hear them say "born again," mm-hmm. and and they're making a one time profession of faith, and that from that point forward, everything is now oriented here, and you make that that public profession, and now you are born again, and that's how you're born again. Right. Whereas the Catholic will have an understanding of being born again or born anew Mm -hmm. from baptism. And from that point in baptism, we are forever oriented to God. Right. That we are now God's chosen one. And it's actually really quite beautiful what the catechism tells us about uh, baptism in let's see, it's this is chapter uh, or paragraph twelve thirteen in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life, the gateway to life in the Spirit, and the door which gives access to the other sacraments. Through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ, are incorporated into the Church, and made sharers in her mission. Baptism is the sacrament of regeneration through water in the Word. So. That's our understanding of being born again. So mm-hmm. as Catholics, when, when a Catholic is asked by a Protestant, are you born again, they, the Catholic's answer should be absolutely. Yep. Now, assuming they've been baptized, but then they right. wouldn't be a Catholic if they, weren't, right. if they weren't baptized. But understand that your baptism is that opportunity to be born again mm-hmm. 
right? Just as our catechism says, and it's a sacrament, and there's water and word or water and spirit, just like Jesus was talking about. Right. Now, it is interesting, though, because I don't want to say my Protestant brothers and sisters, my separated brothers and sisters are wrong. Because in a sense, there is that idea that we have to make a decision for Christ. Um, we're, we're not off the hook just because we're baptized. Mm-hmm. And that's an important concept. In fact, I want to read a little scripture verse uh, from the Gospel according to Mark. This is chapter 8. Hear this. It says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he charged them to tell no one about him. And so that's really interesting that Jesus would ask them that pointed question. He wanted to know what everyone thought about him. Mm -hmm. But then he turned to them individually. He wanted to know what what do you think? Who do you think that I am? Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, that's really kind of what the Protestants are getting after. Right. Who do you think that I am? And they make a profession and say, you are the Christ, just like Peter said, Mm -hmm. our first pope. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, yes, I've made a decision that you are Christ and I want you to be in my life. And really, as a Catholic, we need to have the understanding that we, too, have to answer Jesus' question every single day. There's not a day goes by that we are not asked, and who do you say that I am? Right. And we have to always say, make that decision for Christ Mm -hmm. every day. Because we have opportunities to sin every day, don't we? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tom, do you have something you want to tell us? This is an opportunity. We have the microphones open. Yeah. (laughs) If you'd like to share with us. Let's talk about Tom's sins. No, no, you are not alone. We're all in that boat. And and the reality is uh, that we're all faced with, with challenges every day. But the beauty is we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? He's, he's there available to us at all times. And we always have that free will choice to choose to follow him or not to follow him. And that's an important decision that we have to make every single day. So we're not off the hook. A lot of people think, well, if you think that your baptism is what's going to get you to heaven, then you're wrong. What I would say is the baptism may not get us to heaven, but it's a good start. Right. It sends us on our way. It orients us forever to God. And all those things that the catechism said, it makes us part of the church. It makes us part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful uh, gift. Uh, just like if you're going on a trip, you know, packing your suitcase is not going to get you to your destination, but it's going to help. Exactly. So just to make that those plans, that, that the baptismal packing your suitcase and getting you set to go on that trip, to go and be with God, that's what our baptism, and that's what it is to be born again. Yep. Beautiful. So now we know how to answer that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about, are we saved? Excellent. Another discussion that we want to have with our separated brothers and sisters. And we want to have it with ourselves so we understand exactly what uh, the Catholic Church teaches about this wonderful topic. And before we do that, though, we want to remind everyone we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And, of course, they want to email me. That would be deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that... We'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. 
how do we determine that we are following God's will? Perhaps if it is virtuous, then God wants us to do it. But if it is a pious, good, and virtuous act, is that enough to tell us that God has willed it to be done, and it is what he wants for us? This can get tricky. But St. Ignatius of Loyola can help. St. Ignatius of Loyola was a Spanish saint born in the late 15th century who became the principal founder and the first superior general of the Society of Jesus, better known as the Jesuits. St. Ignatius devised a simple test for determining God's will in our lives. He tells us that we must look at the fruits of what we are doing. That will tell us whether or not God willed it to be done. If it has good fruits, peace, harmony, and happiness, then it is more likely that we are following the will of God. If it has bad fruits, discord, pain, and disharmony, then it is more likely that we are not properly discerning God's will in our lives. A man wakes at 4 a.m. every day and spends four hours in prayer, which would ordinarily be viewed as a virtuous act. But if he is married, he may encounter a wife who becomes angered by the fact that he is no longer helping her get the household ready for the day, making breakfast and bathing and dressing the children. St. Ignatius would tell us that because of the bad fruits of his morning ritual, the upset wife, the disharmony in the household, the man might be being influenced by the evil one, Satan, who often comes to us in the guise of light. St. Ignatius would suggest that if the same man prayed the same amount, but at times of the day more in accord with his family's schedule, the fruits might very well include a more harmonious household and a happier wife. Thus, St. Ignatius would tell us that this was truly following the will of God. So often in our daily lives, we need affirmation that the road we have chosen was indeed the one that God had intended us to take. While the world may tell us one thing about the choices we make, the fruits of those choices cannot lie. We need only to take the time to examine our actions and their results to determine if God was truly served in carrying them out. Because of his life dedicated to the good fruits of a faith-filled life in Christ, St. Ignatius was canonized a saint in the year 1622. His feast day is July 31st. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Tom Dorian. Hello, Deacon Jeff. Tom, are you saved? <laughs> I am saved. Are you? I am. That's a good question. We, we need to answer that question. Are you saved? I did. Well, I know you answered it. <laughs> but as, as typical, Tom, you might have answered before you thought about In your answer. Okay. So we need to talk about Set that. Set me straight, Deacon Jeff. No, that's not my job. Yes, it is. It's not my job. Maybe off air. Job we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, listen, let's talk about what it means to be saved. You know, that was okay. the other question that my Protestant friend asked me. He says, are Catholics saved? Right. And again, we have a terminology, a communication issue. We want to make sure we all understand what everybody is saying. Right. You know, one of the things I, I love when I have my conversations with my, with my separated brothers and sisters, they'll use these kind of terms and, and they can be confusing, like salvation, justification, sanctification, redemption, uh, righteousness, holiness. You'll hear all these different words, and they'll get used in different contexts. And a lot of them have these very specific legal definitions according to this person. 
and they may have very different definitions according to another. Mm-hmm. And so you can get really confused. Oh, yeah. As I always jest, you, you need to take a – if you're a Catholic, you need to take a canon lawyer with you uh, when you're having these discussions <laughs> so that you can kind of turn to your lawyer. And you know how they do in those Senate hearings where they cover the microphone and they <laughs> have a little confab over there. And sure. Say, oh, no, was it, am I supposed to say I'm sanctified? I don't know. That's why that. you see a lot of Catholics <laughs> when they get that question posed to them. They're just they're – just, they look like a deer staring in the headlight. Oh, yeah. They get – their eyes get really wide. Like, uh-oh. Yeah, I don't know the answer. And then they quickly uh, make their exit or, uh, right. you know – whatever they can do to get out of the conversation. Protestants, though, when they say, are you saved, I think what they're asking is, have you stood up, publicly professed, you know, your, your That's right. Again, typically, with- it's a one-time decision that's right. made, um, and it ties in with uh, the, the pretty, uh, I guess it's fair to say, that's pretty constant teaching uh, on the Protestant side of things to say that there's there's a, an understanding of the assurance of salvation right. that once saved always saved. If I if I make this public profession and it's genuine, then I am no matter pretty what much I guaranteed. Do. Well, you say well, no matter what I do, they would say I won't do the bad things right. anymore but, because I am saved. Sure, and and that would be the way to tell if you were really saved or not. But I guess my point in all this is that are you saved is is pointing to a, a specific event in right. their life. Right. And and in Catholics again we don't have that reference, that frame of reference. We don't usually have that one single point in our lives when we made that conscious decision. It was on a Tuesday and it was in December. <laughs> you know, it was in 1974. I remember it well, yeah. you know. And there are many Protestants that remember that day that they call it their glory day or whatever where they actually remembered making that decision and their life was amended, it was changed and um, and they were born anew at that point. Right. In their minds and again, I'm not going to deny them that because they have that memory and that actually probably was a, a very uh, a wonderful event in their life, and I know there for myself. I can look back and see some really cataclysmal moments in my life when I thought the world was coming to an end. But you know what? I made a a decision, and I and I sort of reunited myself in my relationship with God and got back on track. Mm-hmm. And I can point to those events in my life and go, well, those were moments. Those were quintessential moments in time when something changed radically in my life. Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't be the same thing as me saying that's when I was saved. Right. I think that would be when I was I renewed my relationship with God or be, became uh, oh, fully aware again of my uh, wonderful gift given to me of, of salvation. Mm-hmm. Right. But we do want to look and see what Scripture says about being saved because that's it's an important concept. And when because when you hear that, you usually hear it as a past tense thing. Have you been saved? Right. In other words, have you had that moment in time? Right. But really, it's kind of neat to find out in Scripture that that concept of the word being used, saved, mm-hmm. or save, is done in, in three different contexts, usually, three different um, uh, tenses. So yep. there's three different tenses of salvation. There's the salvation has happened, right? I have been saved, or have you been saved? For instance, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, we talk about, for in this hope we were saved. Mm-hmm. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the granddaddy uh, verse, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. And then, of course, in uh, 2 Timothy in chapter 1, we hear, God who saved us 
and called us with a holy calling. So again, mm-hmm. past tense, saved. We were saved. We have been saved. Mm-hmm. But then there's also in scriptures, the same scriptures, when we talk about salvation as a process, okay. not having happened, mm-hmm. but it is happening. For instance, in 1 Corinthians, St. Paul says, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, who are being saved? He didn't say for us who were saved. It says, he says, for us who are being saved. Okay. And of course, uh, Philippians chapter 2, we talk about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at, is at work in you. In other words, that salvation process is, is a, it's a process happening right now. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, of course, there's this third tense, and that is that salvation will happen in the future. We hear this in. Uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 10, verse 22. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And Matthew, chapter 24. But he who perseveres to the end will be saved. And, of course, in uh, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 11. But we believe that we shall be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. And so, again, that's saying that salvation hasn't happened. Right. So what are we supposed to do with this? now? Yeah, tie all that together. Well... If you think about it, mm-hmm. as a Catholic's understanding of salvation, we want to make sure that we say that, yes, we have been saved by what Jesus did for us on the cross. In that aspect, that was a singular moment in time, right? Okay. We have been saved by that act, not okay. by what we've done, right? right? And none we did, right? right. It's all about Jesus, Jesus. and what he did right. and that one-time event where he died for us. Right, that right there, we were saved in that. Okay. Also, we are being saved because we truly need to continue this process by the grace that's given to us by God, by the 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 love and fellowship of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in our lives, working in our lives. We are in a constant state of conversion. We are constantly growing closer to God. So it's a process. We are being saved, as St. Paul says. We are being saved by God's grace, not by what we do again, but we are being saved. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we would say as Catholics that we will be saved only if we persevere to the end. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the key ones. That's the one I always like to point out when I have this discussion with uh, some of my Protestant friends who will say, well, I know I'm going to heaven. If You know, you've seen the billboards. If you die tonight, would you go to heaven? Exactly. And my answer, the Catholic answer is, I sure hope so. Right. I'm going to try. I'm doing the best I can. I, I've been baptized, so I've, I, I'm oriented to God. I've been confirmed, so I've, I've had that sealing of the Holy Spirit. So I've had the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I make use of frequent confession. I, uh, the other sacraments, especially um, the, the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, mm-hmm. communion at Mass, these are opportunities for grace. And so as long as I keep myself in that world, mm-hmm. then that's a wonderful opportunity to get to the end, to persevere. But aren't you as a Catholic also saying that, well, then you can lose your salvation? Whereas the Protest, our Protestant brothers and sisters are going to say, no, you can't. Well, those that subscribe to and that's, the... That's where you're heading with that's this. That's right. Most, most that subscribe to this idea that once saved, always saved. Right. Right? You know, the scripture is quite clear. You can lose your salvation. And this is the important... This, that's that, that third tense of, I will be saved as, as it's, it's, if we persevere to the end. Mm-hmm. 
right? I will be saved. St. Paul is quite clear on this. He says in uh, first, uh, let's see, the one I want to read is in Philippians. Okay. And he, he's writing to the Philippians in, in the third chapter, verses 10 through 12. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible, okay, this is key, that if possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then he goes on and he, and he puts uh, an exclamation point and he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. So again, St. Paul has that perfect understanding of the three tenses. He says, Christ has made me his own. Yes, I have been saved by Christ. Christ has opened that door. He's opened the door to heaven. He's made it possible for me. So there's salvation awaiting me. But Christ did it, past tense. Mm-hmm. right? And he talks about pressing on. He says, I press on. That's that process. That's I am being saved. Right. And then he, he, he makes that point that not that I've already obtained it. I'm not there yet. He thinks, based on that, you hear him say that to the Philippians. He's telling the Philippians, if I die tonight, it's the same thing as seeing that billboard. I sure hope that I'm going to heaven. I, I desire more than anything to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful sentiment. I want to go to heaven. But it's even more important for us to realize as Catholics that we have to always have that gift of free will. Up until the very day that we die, we have the opportunity to reject Jesus Christ. Right? So you can make that public profession. You can stand up in your church. You can be baptized. But that's not an assurance because what that becomes, if you are assured of your heavenly salvation in life, you might be suffering from that sin of presumption. Mm-hmm. Or now you're presuming on God's mercy. Right. You don't want to ever presume on that. You can rest assured. We can be assured of God's mercy. But we can't ever presume on God's mercy because then we're missing the whole point mm-hmm. of working at our salvation in fear and trembling, as, as St. Paul tells us. Yep. So the answer to the question is, have you been saved? I have been saved. I am being saved. And I, and I will, will be, be saved. Right. That's the Catholic answer. Yeah. Sounds confusing, but hopefully this little bit has helped everyone yes. gain a better idea of what the Catholic Church teaches about this concept of being born again and being saved. Yes, sir. Wonderful. Well, let's close in prayer, Tom. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your free gift of salvation. Help us to remain faithful to our baptismal promises so that we may come to live with you and love you for all eternity in heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee.
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. Ooh.